Happy Tuesday, everyone. Welcome back to Unbothered. Josh here. I needed yesterday to process. So, again, to start off, I want to thank everybody who listens. Like, subscribe wherever you listen uh, to your podcasts. Uh, just want to say thanks again. Yesterday, wanted to hop on, but I was just too raw after the Lions loss. Of course, I tried to stay objective in all my takes, not to have a ton of rooting interests, but of course, Lions being my team in the NFC Championship game, was rooting for them. Again, I thought they would cover the you know, seven-point spread that was laid against them. They did. Um, you know, and then just to lose, you know, in that fashion. be different if it was a a back-and-forth game. You know, that's you lose a shootout type thing. You know, like the Mahomes-Allen uh, or, you know, Mahomes-Tom Brady. Uh, back in the day, if it was a classic shootout, it's like, hey, last man standing, I give it up to you. But to have a a collapse and to lose like that, uh, definitely hurt being up 24 to 7 at halftime and losing that game 34 31. Definitely is crushing to say the least. Um, so that's the first game I'm going to cover. Then, of course, I'll talk about Chiefs Ravens and, of course, other NFL news. And I'll finish off with the school, the Michigan Wolverines, talking about them and the new head coaching replacement there for Jim Harbaugh. React to all that. Looking forward to it. So let's continue on with the opening discussion of the 49ers completing their comeback against the Lions. Now, there's there's two sides to this coin of this story. And, of course, first off, I do want to talk about the Lions before I get into anything uh, with the Niners. Uh, because a lot of what the Lions did are up for debate, uh, getting heat for it. Uh, and I do want to talk about all that. I just want to address that I thought the first half game plan uh, that they made was really, really good. Came off uh, absolutely, you know, hammering, uh, you know, them with the run game. You know, four plays and you get a touchdown. Pretty great. Jamison Williams is the real deal. I've been preaching that. And he continues uh, to impress. So your first drive is a touchdown. Your second drive is another touchdown. It's, you know, a methodical run drive pass. You get down to the one-yard line, punch it in for a touchdown. You're up 14-0. Looking good. Then you finally have to punt, um, but it's not a three and out. You take some time off. Then you force Brock Purdy to throw an interception. You have a short field, and you get a touchdown uh, there. So it's 21-7. Uh, you get a field goal right before half, so it's 24-7. So on four offensive drives in the first half, you have uh, my bad, five offensive drives. You have three touchdowns, a field goal, and a punt against the Niners, who a lot of people were hyping up, talking so great about. You got to feel great going into half 24-7. I thought you know it was great 17 points. There has not been a 17-point comeback in the NFC Championship game history. I believe the largest was 18 points. Joe Burrow against the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game a few years ago. I think that one was 21-3. to But I thought the Lions, surely enough, aren't going to blow this. So I thought, you know, opening uh, 
you know, drive and everything they did on the first half. Offense, defense was great. And I thought 30 more minutes and these Lions are going to be in a Super Bowl. Uh, but the game is 60 minutes. You got to come out for the second half. And uh, that's where it kind of went off the rails in the second half. So uh, Lions or the Niners get the ball to start. They get a field goal, 24-10. So this is where... You know, there's a lot of controversy um, right here. Is it is fourth and two at the San Francisco 28. And, of course, knowing Dan Campbell, he's going for it. His reasoning is, hey, this is a team that likes to run a ball, use clock. You know, we need that possession to drain the clock ourselves and get a touchdown get some points. Uh Personally, I would take the field goal. I think it's around a 45, and I know Badgley this year, I think it was 9 for 20 on field goals of that range, 45-plus. So it's it's not a gimme. He's not Justin Tucker. He's not Harrison Bucker. He's not Brandon Aubrey. Personally, I would have taken the field goal to three up, go up three scores. That's big psychologically. Uh, but the thing is, is, is if you go for it on fourth down, you got to have the correct call. Uh, you can't be botching it. And the play call, it was the correct call. Uh, had Josh Reynolds open, uh, Jared Goff threw it to where only um, Josh Reynolds could get it. Because if I think he throws it too high, you know, DB can swat it. Left, right, DB swats it. So you do have to throw it kind of lower. And the receiver has to make a play on the ball. And, you know, it wasn't super low to where it's like, dang, that's a really tough catch. Uh, you know, is it the easiest catch to make? No. But he had it. In his hands, bounced up, hit him in the face mask, in drops. And that's when the momentum starts to die. Because you convert that, you're zeroing in on more time, maybe a touchdown, easier field goal, all that. But you do that. uh, That was a crucial play right there that Josh Reynolds just dropped the ball. And then Christian McCaffrey threw up a prayer to Brandon Ayuk on the first down at the San Francisco 45, 51-yard pass. Bounced off Vildor's helmet, the defensive back, and Brandon Ayuk catches it. Another crucial moment. Why? Because my corners aren't good. My corner was in the right position. Uh, all you have to do is catch the ball. And he lets it bounce off his helmet. Then it gets intercepted. So, yeah, that's a bummer. Can't have that. Don't want that. Um, that is, you know, very crucial, bad defensive play that happens. Then, right after that, Jameer Gibbs fumbles the ball, opening possession. Then, right after that, the Niners score. So, really, in a blink of an eye, eight minutes game time, it's all tied up. The 24-7 lead is 24-24. The game's turned on its head now. Um, now, it's like, oh, okay, great. It's uh, This is going to be a tight one. Nothing great no more. So... Then Lions three and out. Um, you know, Montgomery gets a yard. Uh, another bad drop. Josh Reynolds on the third and nine. In his hands open, just drops it. Another mistake there by a Lions player. That leads San Francisco to get another um, touchdown or another field goal to make it 27 24. Then another crucial fourth down. It's fourth and three. I would have kicked the field goal. Yes, this would have been a 47-yarder. 
but you got to try it because this one, the play call wasn't right in hindsight where Jurgoff had to scramble out of a pocket, didn't even get a high-quality throw-off to Amon Ross St. Brown, and then they go and get the touchdown. Uh, the Niners do to go up by 10. Lions now have to get you know two scores in under you know five minutes or whatever it is. And, you know, they're at the fourth, uh, they're at the goal line, and they make the mistake of running it on third and one. You have to waste a timeout with 56 seconds left, and that ends the game. And to me, that's the biggest uh, crime Dan Campbell committed. It's not the fourth downs because all year they did that. That's their style. That's what they do. And I'm fine, you know, the saying, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. I'm fine living with the fourth downs, dying by the fourth downs. That's what Dan Campbell does. That's the way he operates. Um, I'm fine with that. However, you can't call a timeout in that situation because that will end the game. Uh, If you were to throw it, you know, again, um, to then at least kick the field goal and then have three timeouts to give a ball back with a minute, it's still unlikely. But you do have a chance. You gave your team no chance. Uh so yeah, rough way uh, to really end the game there again with those two crucial drops. Uh, one on third down, one on fourth down. Um, was it the most well-coached game by the Lions? No, but this is one they should have won. Had in their hands and, you know, let the, let the wind slip right through the palm of their hands. So difficult one there to really um, swallow. At least I thought it was because I thought um, Jared Goff for the majority of the day did good. You know, 273 yards, touchdown. Yeah, took a few sacks, but didn't put the ball in harm's way at all. I thought it was the correct game plan in the first half. Second half, there's, you know, a series of events that set up where you can't be committed to running the ball as much as you want because of the turnover uh, by Jameer Gibbs and, you know, the drops from going for it on fourth down and then the, you know, botched interception. So all that, you know, you know, you know, it was just like a snowball effect avalanche downhill and the Niners capitalized on all of those opportunities. So I have to tip my hat to them because the Lions played well. Um, it's just in the clutch moment, San Francisco proved to be the veteran team and played better. Uh, but I do, do want to tip my hat to Brock Purdy. Uh, for coming back in the second half, because first half he looked shaky. He had a bad interception, um, and when he's bad, he's making bad decisions. He he's not that guy, and I've been saying this all along. He's not that guy to me. But he did show something in the second half where you are composed, down seventeen points to come back and win the game, make correct reads and throws um, to go out there. And lead your team to victory. And he showed the right stuff in the second half. Christian McCaffrey, of course, was phenomenal. Just hit on his scrimmage yards total, I think, was 130 and a half was the total. He finished with 132, 90 rushing, 42 passing. Uh, he was really good. The offensive line, and specifically George Kittle, as a guy to chip on Aiden Hutchinson, made Aiden Hutchinson kind of non-existent um, the whole game. They had a great game plan for him uh, in my defensive line to where Brock Purdy could throw it, and they were able to 
run the football effectively. It wasn't, you know, an elite great rushing performance, but they were able to stay committed and run it enough. So San Francisco was great at that. Kyle Shanahan, one of the best coaches in the NFL, was able to make halftime adjustments, call the game into the second half to where, you know, he trusted Brock Purdy to go out and win the game. And Brock Purdy was able to make those throws, make those plays, and win the game for the San Francisco 49ers. So I got to tip my hat off to them and to the 49ers because they got the win. They deserve it. Again, congrats to them on a great year. Playing the Super Bowl, I have more from the Detroit Lions in a bit. Uh, But I do want to talk about the Chiefs-Ravens now. Had the Ravens winning this game, I did predict them to win uh, this game. Uh, thought it would go hit, hit around the under mark. I was thinking 26-20 Ravens, 23-20. Uh, something in there wasn't thinking of this high-scoring uh, crazy game. But I did think that the Ravens, with their elite defense and great offense, was going to get this done. And the offense did not um, show up. So, 17-10 was the final score. Chiefs won. I like the side for the Chiefs. Um, as the game time was ramping up, you know, this realization that Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback. There's no way Baltimore's going to blow him out. I think the line finished at four and a half points. So, I was like, hey, I uh, take Kansas City um, in that way. And so, I was able to uh, do that, but... You know, just want to talk about the Chiefs first because they did um, win the game here. So, one thing I do want to talk about, you know, Patrick Mahomes. And a lot of people, you know, it's funny. You know, something happens, he beats the Ravens. Actually, the team beats the Ravens. And I turned on media yesterday and Kansas City's a GOAT. Or they like to... You know, some people say, you know, he's the greatest quarterback I've ever seen, not in the history of the NFL. Or some people say, yeah, he's the greatest I've ever seen. You know, I'm not going to put him above Brady right now, um, but he's on that trajectory. And some people are, you know, are flat out saying that he is the the GOAT. And I'm not buying that after this game. It's, it's an AFC championship game. Is it a big game? Yes. But guess what? Am I impressed with this win by Patrick Mahomes? Yes, because these are the types of games that Brady had consistently in his latter half of his career. It was a great tight end in uh, Gronk. Did he play in every Super Bowl? No. So, again, sometimes he didn't even have Gronk, so I do want to put that out there. He did still have Kelsey. Uh, Rasheed Rice is a great wide receiver. In the later years, Tom Brady only had Julian Edelman, and Edelman never made a Pro Bowl. So... Let's pause there. Uh, I think Rasheed Rice is really good. Uh, They still have Isaiah Pacheco. uh, And the game plan that Andy Reid came up with to use short screens um, and not force it down there. Patrick Holmes didn't make the interception, didn't throw a a bad pass. Again, he wasn't, I don't think he was elite yesterday. Only 6.2 yards per attempt, only 241 yards a touchdown. Again, didn't make the bad plays, but needed the plays uh, that he needed to make to win, which was good. But to me, the storyline was the defense uh, for the Chiefs. And tomorrow, I'm going to go 
very heavily into this GOAT topic between Mahomes and Brady because uh, there's a lot to unpack there. But it's a whole other uh, conversation. But the defense was the thing. Why? Because the Ravens were the number one rushing at, uh, team in the NFL. Uh, one of the best offenses. Lamar Jackson's so good he's going to win the second MVP this year. And Steve Spagnola in the defense uh, confused Lamar. Uh, and made him to where he was holding on to the ball more than he should have, where you need to make a decision, throw the ball or run the ball. You're not holding on for five seconds and dancing around because these DBs, uh, linebackers, are going to get after you and sack you and force you to fumble, fumble the football like he did. Uh, so they made Lamar very uncomfortable in that game. Um, so Lamar was just was bad. Uh, the fumble, the interception into triple coverage was brutal. The Zay Flowers turnover, the taunting, the turnover, it was all bad. It was just, to me, a choke job by the Ravens. This is a team that was the best team in the NFL that dismantled almost every team that they faced. Wasn't close for a lot of these games. That's how dominant they were. And then at home, AFC Championship game, to only put up 10 points, it's kind of embarrassing. It's kind of a big deal to look that bad on national television. Uh, the game plan was also very confusing, weird, not good, not clear. Uh, outside of Lamar, uh, to have, I think, six carries by your running backs... Um, three by Gus Edwards, three for Justice Hill. Gus Edwards, three carries 20 yards to abandon the run game when the largest deficit you had was only 10 points. To me, didn't make sense at all. I didn't like the game plan. Uh, Lamar to throw it 37 times. It's not what he does. Um, he works very well off play action when you have to commit to stopping the run, when you don't have to commit to stopping a run and it's just on containing Lamar. Operates very differently, so I just got to give all the credit to Steve Spagnola and this defense, Trent McDuffie, uh, what's his name, Legereus Need. And I got to say this is maybe I should do this for all the games that I pick. Is I did uh, Lions last week against the Niners, and then of course the uh, Chiefs Ravens, and I did the ten best players on each team, and there was. One slighted, you know, there's one player in the top 10, so six total for Chiefs and for Niners. Maybe that's how I pick your top 10 players. I rank them if, you know, it's one side is favored, that's who I'm going with. So, got to give it to the Kansas City Chiefs there. Uh, defense was terrific. Lamar kind of choked it away. And, you know, some people are saying the comparison now for him is like a James Harden for the NBA. I don't think that's. Um, you know, maybe not, you know, in this era because James Harden hasn't been elite for a while now. Um, I think the proper one right now for Lamar would be a Joel Embiid where great regular season, win a couple MVPs, playoffs, your production does dip. Do you have an occasional playoff game here or there? Yes, you do, but the majority of them are not the same as your great regular season numbers. So, uh, that's a comp. Lamar looked off in that game, and that 
you know, this game was eerily similar to one I watched Dak play in the wild card this year, where I don't know how you trust them uh, moving forward, you know, in the playoffs for the next following years. I just, I just don't see it. And then the Chiefs, it's how do you bet against the Chiefs unless it's really Joe Burrow? And again, that's, that'll be a conversation I dive into tomorrow. Uh, you know, it's going to be a great fiery podcast, firing takes off. Um, but, you know, nobody in the AFC, uh, or really in the NFL is at the Mahomes class. On the Chiefs class really is an organization, the way they draft, develop talent, um, the whole nine yards. It's Chiefs are the, you know, win this Super Bowl and they are the new dynasty, the first team since the 304 Patriots going back to back to win three Super Bowls in a span. So, the pressure is really on them. Uh, we'll see if they get it done. But now moving on from the two games that happened on Sunday. Uh, going back now to the Lions, there was big news that happened today. And that was Ben Johnson, my offensive coordinator, Lions offensive coordinator, uh, turns down the head coaching vacancies with the Commanders and the Seahawks. You know, a lot of teams heavily or. Commanders was the favorite for him, but he turned him down to stay put. Now, you know, there's conflicting reports on we're talking about, you know, the asking price to be the head coach was too high, that this wasn't surprising. Other reports that, you know, he wants to come back and return and try to bring a Super Bowl to Detroit. And I think it's the right move for Ben Johnson. Um didn't love either of these head coaching openings. The best one was the Chargers. Um, that was taken by Jim Harbaugh. So you really, there wasn't a job that outside of that was just like, hey, this is a tier one job. It's like the Seahawks have great pieces, but they're also in a conference with Kyle Shanahan and the Niners and Sean McVay and the Rams. You still need a quarterback to compete. You're uphill. Commanders, you are facing Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Uh, yes, you have cap room and new ownership. But it's still an uphill climb. It's okay to say no. Reevaluate next year uh, and improve this year. Um, so I think this is good for him. I think the offense will be better. The rookies will be matured. Um, I'll incorporate some more new offensive pieces in here. Um, I think that'll be better for him too. And it's, I think it's better for the Lions. This is a team, I think, if you lose Ben Johnson... Um, you know, it hurts you and it's like, hey, can we get back there? I think now it's it's Super Bowl or bust and we don't know the schedule yet. You know the opponents, but not the schedule. I looked at the opponents and I'm thinking another 12-5 and five year for them. You know, the biggest thing is this year they played the AFC West. It went 4-0. Next year, don't think you would go 4-0 against the AFC West. Now you get the AFC South, the easiest, you know, of the bunch there. So you do get that even though the first place schedule for the NFC, you will have to play, you know, Bucks, Niners, Cowboys. So we'll see. I think they can do it. Again, knock on wood, you don't want any injuries. But again, that's something no one can project. But I do think the Lions keeping Ben Johnson, Ben Johnson staying there, that is huge news uh, for the Lions. You know, that starts the offseason out right there. Uh, keeping Ben Johnson. Then another coordinator I want to talk about is the uh, Eagles hiring Kellen Moore as their offensive coordinator. So he was the Chargers offensive coordinator this year. 
Uh, and he, before that, he was a Cowboys offensive coordinator. And every year with the Cowboys, they had one of the best offenses. Um, this year struggled. You know, Justin Herbert's numbers dipped. It wasn't his greatest. So now he gets to go to the Eagles, work with Jalen Hurts, and try to revive this offense. I think this works two ways for the Eagles. I do think he's a great OC, great coordinator. I think he'll be able to help Jalen Hurts and pick up this offense and get them going, running the football, but also you have weapons in A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. Uh, so I think he'll be fine. But he also knows a lot about the Cowboys, your rival, the team in your division. And I think he can give Nick Sirianni and defensive coordinator Vic Fangio um, you know, some ammo there on how to beat your biggest team in front of you in your division. Other OC news, the Browns, Cleveland Browns hired Ken Dorsey as their offensive coordinator. He was the Bills offensive coordinators to start the year. He was their OC last year, then got fired halfway through the season and replaced by Joe Brady. So the Browns hire him. I think that's a good pickup. I think uh, a quarterback from the Browns, I don't know why, or Kevin Stefanski, um, is the main offensive guru for the team, is great. It, what he does, but I do think Ken Dorsey will be a fine piece, won't usurp any of the power Stefanski has, and Stefanski will still be great in that system. Then last but not least, I do want to talk about the Michigan Wolverines. So Michigan officially hired Sharon Moore as their next head coach. Again, that was my prediction. Didn't want Brian Kelly and anything like that. They got Sharon Moore, and you can see that what Harbaugh has instilled in Michigan, the culture, it's passing on and it's staying with Sharon Moore. There's not going to be a dip, a drop-off. Now, I think there might in terms of production and probably wins and losses because you're losing about 20 players, starters, to the NFL. That is a big deal. You have to replace your whole offensive line. But why do I have confidence with Sharon Moore? He is a former offensive line coach. He was the one who had the two back-to-back Joe Moore winning awards for best offensive line. I trust him. I trust Donovan Edwards. He stayed. That helps out the run game. Quarterback, big deal. But then defense, you know, you do have Josiah Stewart coming back, Rod Moore, Makari Page, Keon Sab, those players coming back. So Will Johnson, Colston Loveland, of course, and, you know, uh, Mason Graham. So they're going to be fine. Uh, this to me keeps, you know, them, you know, no players have entered the transfer portal since Jim Harbaugh left, you know, uh, no commits have decommitted and said, Hey, you know, don't want to do this. Uh, reviews for Cheryl Moore have been positive. Players have been raving about them. Uh, and you know, prospects and commits all the same thing. So this is a smart move for Michigan. I'm glad they bypassed the weird seven-state day law that the job had to post and said, no, uh, we're making this official. We saw what happened to Alabama. Um, the same thing ain't happening to us. So great move by Michigan. I think they're still going to be good. Uh, I'm thinking around 11-1 and one this year, 10-2. and two. Don't think another undefeated season's on the table. A lot of change, turnover. Uh, growing pains, Pac-12, all this uh, merging with you. So 10-2, 11-1, I would be very happy with either of those two records this season. Why? Because those two records still get you a shot at the Big Ten title game and perhaps at the national 
championship game as well. Do you really keep a 10-2 and two defending champ out? We'll see. But thanks, everyone, for listening. Again, like and subscribe. If you haven't, tomorrow I will be talking about Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, Goats uh, as well. Uh, looking forward to that conversation and that discussion um, tomorrow. Lions, we will be back. Looking forward to it. Chiefs, 49ers Super Bowl. Rematch of 2020. Remember, last time we had that Super Bowl, a global pandemic happened one month later. Hopefully that's not a sign of things to come. Why? Because this, I think, is the worst possible Super Bowl matchup we can get. But I will talk more about that again tomorrow. And, of course, leading up to the big day, the Super Bowl Sunday, in a week and a half. Uh, Hope you all have a great rest of your day. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Bye, everybody.